Thanks for listening to the sixth episode of the Armenian Music Podcast. I'm Rafi Maneshian. Today's episode is entitled Full Circle My Conversation with Andre Simonian. just listening to the Beautified Project song, Lost Innocence, from the 2016 album entitled Pale Nightingale. Before we get into my conversation with Andre Simonian, I wanted to say thanks for listening in. One way you can help support this monetization-free series is to go to your favorite podcast platform and hit that subscribe button. Our audience numbers continue to grow as we now have listeners in 21 countries, including Japan, Colombia, and the United Arab Emirates, among others. Andre Simonian's positive impact toward Armenia's music scene has been felt since 2006. An artist, musician, and producer, he has shuttled between London and Yerevan, carving out a niche in the alternative rock and metal scene there. He's one of the good guys, and I root for people like Andre to continue their success as they continue to be changemakers in Armenia. Our conversation was recorded on August 8th, 2020 via Skype audio. And now, my conversation with Andre Simonian. Andre Simonian, welcome to the podcast. Hi, it's my pleasure to be here. Andre, you're kind of really well known in Armenia uh, for your band, The Beautify Project. Um, Tell me a little bit about how that started and how it's evolved over the years. So I used to study uh, media in London. I was a student here. Um, I say here because right now I'm in London. Um, And when I finished my media studies, I was really hungry to study some more music. Um, So I went back to a music college. And um, in that college, I formed two bands. uh, one of them was called Blue People Society, and the other one was called Gasoline. Uh, Blue People Society was kind of a cliche band, um, you know, doing some covers and stuff and some original material. And funnily enough, I was the drummer in both bands. Gasoline was really cool because it was um, the first, probably the first and probably the last uh, Iranian punk band. 
and uh, um, I was a drummer. It was a, a three-piece band. Uh, the bass player was from New Zealand, and the singer was Iranian. And our aim was to open for Iranian singers, very famous Iranian singers. And then, you know, in Iranian concerts, you get all these, you know, really well-dressed Iranian girls and stuff. And we would, you know, sing these punk, Iranian punk songs, and our singer would break his guitar at the end. And that's something that Iranian uh, audience is not used to. And the shock on their faces was so funny. Um, so we used to buy these very cheap guitars uh, from a place called Argos in UK, which is a very cheap store and they sell everything. Mm -hmm. So during the last song, the singer would go and change the guitar. <laughs> so he would break the cheap guitar, basically. You know, I wonder, I wonder if Pete Townsend used to do that as well, because Townsend was known for breaking his guitars as well. So I can imagine... <laughs> you know, this this uh, Iranian um, immigrant from from Iran, ethnic yeah. Armenian, of course, you know, he goes to the UK at the age of 18. You go to art college, you go. To, and then all of a sudden your your band is involved with this kind of micro Iranian culture and, <laughs> and you're ripping things up. That must have just absolutely shocked them. <laughs> it was so funny. It was so funny. And, and um, you know, you go and tell the light engineer, you know, can you please turn the lights off before the last song so we can change the guitar sort of a thing. So I wasn't involved in the songwriting. I was a bit involved in the arrangement of those two uh, bands. But um, while I was in those bands, I started writing my own music as an escape because I wasn't a very happy young guy. I was usually I was a kind of a loner and um, I used to always hang out with you know, in, in the rock clubs and stuff with, you know, um, rockers. So um, I started writing my own songs. But um, when I played one of the songs for the, the Iranian singer in the punk band, he said that your songs are very unique because the music is very mellow, but the lyrics are pretty dark. So, you know, you might have something original there. So I started recording my first demo in London, in East London, at a home studio of our bass player. And actually the members of Gasoline, um, um, Ali Karami and, uh, and Tim B were helping me with the bass lines and the piano lines, but I was playing the guitar and the drums and the vocals, but I didn't have a band. Then I started doing some small gigs in London just for like a few months. And then I moved to Armenia with a demo tape, a demo CD in my hand, which was called Serenades for Insanity. Andre, um, when, uh, when did you do that? When was that move to Armenia? What uh, two, 2006, uh, July, July of 2006, I moved to Armenia. And um, I, when I was there during the summer, it was the World Cup 2006, or I'm not sure if it was a World Cup or the European Championships, I, I, I'm not sure. But um, I, we were watching a game at, at a cafe near the Opera House. And that's where I met the twin brothers, Armin and Arlen Shaverdian, because uh, I think they were uh, supporting Brazil. Yeah, so it was World Cup because Brazil was playing and um, and they were screaming and shouting. And then we started talking because uh, I was at the next table to them. And, you know, uh, we we got introduced to each other. And then the next day I met them in the street 
and I said hi to them and we started talking and that's when they told me oh you know what do you do and stuff I said you know I've just come to this country you know I want to live here and they said oh yeah we are students too but we love we love doing music and stuff so I said you know I'm going to give you a call we can probably jam sometimes and that's how we were formed basically we jammed the first time I jammed with them I knew they were the right people for my band back then and um, uh, you know the rest was finding a bass player and a drummer and we decided not to have permanent bass player and the drummer because it's usually it the, the bigger the band becomes the more difficult it becomes to keep all the members so we decided to be a trio with session musicians that's awesome uh andre and you know um having lived in in armenia the, the last four years i uh, i finally went back to the united states after teaching at aua for four years but uh, i have been going back and forth to armenia for since 2001 and i can tell you that when i brought up the beautified project in any of my classes marketing advertising i mean the the kids would absolutely giggle i mean they would absolutely giggle and they they knew your songs so um although you your band is actually performed in almost a dozen countries around the world um really the heart and soul of your fans are in armenia how how good does it make it make you feel that your fans are usually they listen to your music at a very young age and they've kind of grown up with this band in in many ways um i mean it's a it's a great feeling because um i grew up in a family where my grandfather was from armenia um, and he immigrated to iran after the armenian genocide so he used to call me to his room um uh, uh you know just before his um afternoon naps and he would play you know sayat nova and gomitas for me so i was introduced to music by uh, by him and armenia was just a dream in our family that one day we are going to go back and live in armenia so to be i mean to be um uh you know well known in your own homeland it's uh, you know it's a pleasure it's a it's such a sweet feeling that I can't explain, you know, uh, if, if, you know, I was born in Armenia, probably um, it wouldn't have felt so sweet as it, it does now because I moved there when I was, uh, you know, in my late 20s. And to achieve that and to be recognized by local Armenians, uh, it's, it's absolutely beautiful. I mean, even when we tour in Europe, I'm always looking forward to going back and playing for Armenian fans and we have this thing called um, beautified marriage because there is a generation of beautified fans who grew up with beautified and now they're getting married and we call the ones who met each other during our shows beautified marriages because there are so many people who've met in our concerts and they've ended up marrying each other and I hope you know they don't blame you for it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You know, um, I will say that, you know, you're also known not just as being a member of the Beautify Project, which is, again, a very, very big English language, um, you know, band that is popular in Armenia. But you're also well known for giving a lot of artists and not just musicians, photographers, videographers, 
their first professional opportunity. And I know that because I've used some of those kind of artists and in, in with my own label and kind of our own projects. How do you identify talent and how cool is it to kind of see them progress in their career? And I would say, you know, two, two artists that I can think of right now are Mariam Gevorkian and Berta Martirosian, uh, but also musicians as well. Yes, two amazing, beautiful people you just mentioned. Um, and, I, you know, I'm so lucky to have had the pleasure of working with them. Uh, basically, um, an art is an art before it becomes a job. And to me, um, most artists fell into that trap of, you know, um, uh, where for them, their art turns into just a machine to make some money for them. And that's a, I think that's a really bad thing about art. And I try to work with people who are still passionate about art side of things. And um, if, if it's on a scale, the art is heavier than the money. And both, both names that you mentioned and all the other uh, musicians, videographers, directors, and photographers I've, I've worked with, they are the people who've been very young and they've been passionate and they've been hungry to work with names who would expose them. And my experience shows working with them um, results in a material that has uh, more soul and heart in it rather than uh, just being a professional product. And that's what matters because people might not know why they like a product but that is the reason they like it. They like honest art and honest art comes from honest, passionate artists, not businessmen. That's a great answer, Andre. And, um, you know, I, I have to, I have to mention some of the names that you've actually worked with. Um, obviously there was a time when the beautified project took a break and, you know, you, you pursued, uh, duet collaborations with, um, some of the biggest, you know, acts in Armenia right now, Nemra, Adana Project, uh, the wonderful Istanbul-based Sibiu, um, you know, among among others. Um, why did you decide to pursue duet projects on a musical level with these particular artists? What kind of drew you to them? You know, we were, um, basically, we were in our own bubble, a beautified bubble for 11 years. And um, uh, we did four albums and 27 music videos, and we did three European tours during those times. And um, it came to a point where we started thinking the dangerous thing, which is the product. And I, uh, we sat down, me, Armin and Arlen, and we thought, you know, we need to find the passion in us again, whether it's by doing solo projects or whatever. If we come back to Beautified Project, we need to have the same passion we had in 2005, 2006. And all three of us agreed. So when I put a um, pause to Beautified Project, I thought maybe I should experiment a bit with different styles of music. Um, so uh, working with different artists was such an amazing thing. Um, and I decided to work with 
the people that I really liked, no matter how famous or big they were, because on, on my duets album, which will be released soon, there are artists who are much, much bigger than Beautified Project. And there are artists who are completely unknown, but their artistic value might even be much bigger than the ones who are the famous ones on the album. So, um, I mean, one of the biggest discoveries for this album was um, Mariam Petrosian, uh, whose um, artistic name is Mariam Avra. I mean, I am a huge fan. I listen to her music when, you know, I want to fall asleep. Her, her voice, her approach to melodies and her lyrical approach is so unique. For me, she's a world-class artist. And when she says, oh, Andre, thank you for doing this duet with me. I'm like, no, no, thank you. You know, you're so inspiring. Yeah. You know, I want to go home and write like 10 new songs after working with you. So, yeah, um, I've come out of this album uh, much more mature musically. And also um, all of these uh, songs, all of the 10 songs that are on the album have music videos. And I did all the experiments that I wanted to do with music videos that I was not sure, uh, not sure of doing with Beautified Project. You know, I said I, I let myself go and I did whatever I wanted with these 10 music videos. And it's been so much fun, so educational. And I really feel after this album, I'm ready to start writing for Beautified Project again. Well, I think you're going to probably find a ton of people that are standing up and cheering right now with that particular news. But I will say this is that um, whether you know it or not, I've been kind of following your career for a little while. And um, we were just kind of recently chatting on Facebook um, in the last week. And one of the things that I found to be amazing as I was doing my research for this interview was that the 10 songs are actually from 10 different genres. Is that correct? Yes. I mean, the, the, there are so many. I mean, with Sibyl, the song we did, it was my first song. I mean, after being in the music industry for 20 years, it was the first song which had no guitars on it. There were so many instruments on that song, but there were no guitars. And it was so strange for me. And there's a country song in there. There is power metal. There is uh, Armenian folk music. There is pop music. Um, and, you know, there is this singer, dark singer songwriter stuff that Mariam uh, Petrosian does. Um, it's, it's amazing. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, uh, I know your non-Armenian um, listeners won't understand this word, but I wanted to call the album Shilap Love, which is a very <laughs> sticky rice dish, which has everything in it. Yeah. And um, in Armenian, you know, when something goes very messy, they say you you made a shilap love out of this. <laughs> I wanted to make <laughs> shilap love. <laughs> hey, listen, you still can. I mean, it's it's uh, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely not too late. But um, you know, Andre, um, again, and I I think that we've we've chatted a little bit offline, and um, you're a very humble person, um, and to me, you're you're a real artist because um, you're not. You don't adhere to any genre. Um, you, you really are not in music or in art for the money. So let me just go ahead and say this, and I know you're, know you're modest, but I still want to kind of give you your props. 
your role in the kind of Armenian music scene, um, or I should say the music scene in Armenia, I should actually say that, um, has been a, a very large one. Could you kind of reflect a little bit on the changes you've seen since that World Cup kind of cafe experience with the Shachberjan brothers uh, in the last you know, 15 years? Because you have been on television shows, you've actually produced people. Uh, what, is the, what are the changes uh, that you've seen kind of in Armenia in the music scene over these years? Um, when I moved to Armenia, um, the internet connection in Armenia was very slow. It was almost impossible to watch, um, uh, you know, music videos online. So it was one of those situations where the TV dictated what people should listen to or like. Um, and uh, that's very dangerous because, you know, I, I'm always very scared of TV because it's something that comes in your house without knocking your door and dictates you what you should be. And um, uh, and so um, the Armenian music scene was very boring. And the other problem was that as soon as I got, I, as soon as I arrived in Armenia, I bought some tickets to go and see some shows. And it was a concert. I'm not going to mention any names. It was like it was a combination concert of four Armenian pop stars. I went to the concert and there were no instruments on the stage. And I was really shocked because they came and started singing and they were lip syncing and it was called a concert. So um, right after we released our first album and we got some attention and they, uh, we started doing interviews, um, I came up with this line that Armenian show business has turned opera house into a karaoke club and that got into headlines and uh, so many so many like media outlets contacted me and you know wanted to talk to me about that and I said yes most of your pop stars are not singing on stage you're wasting your money you know if you want to go and see a concert you need there needs to be a band there needs to be a you know live dj or something you can't you know charge people and lip sync um, so uh, fast forward 10 years when there is, you know, fast internet, YouTube and all that, and a lot of satellite TVs, um, Armenia has a great underground live music scene. You can go and listen to any type of music you like in a small underground clubs in Yerevan. If you like jazz, blues, uh, rock, death metal, black metal, you can always go and listen to it. The jazz music is amazing. It has always been very good quality in Armenia and also classical music is amazing with the history with the you know Soviet history and all that so um, right now Armenia has a very healthy live music scene and I think in the next 10 years hopefully we will see some names coming out of Armenia and you know representing Armenia outside Armenia and I want to take the opportunity right now and thank you Rafi because you've been the medium between Armenia and the outside world with your label, which is doing exactly what I'm trying to do inside Armenia. Uh, you Thanks, are man. basically, you know, you're putting so much money in it without expecting, you know, uh, big money to come out of it. Uh, if there is any money coming out of it, I mean, you're just doing it out of passion. And you are the reason so many hardworking 
passionate artists who are great songwriters have managed to, you know, come out of Armenian borders with their music and even come out of Armenia with their band and do some shows. Uh, and, you know, uh, you. as an Armenian artist, I want to thank you for, you know, helping Armenian artists that much. Uh, Andre, I, I really appreciate that. And I, I just have to throw it back to the artists as well, because, um, you know, it's not an easy life. Um, people don't understand that, um, you know, being an artist in Armenia, um, you know, especially now during COVID, is it, it, is very difficult. So when you see a lot of these musicians and professional musicians uh, go out there and they just play their heart out, um, how could you not want to kind of help them out and kind of, you know, export them as far as their as ambassadors really of Armenian culture and obviously you've been you've been a huge huge um, uh, factor in that but what I wanted to do is um, I wanted to talk also a little bit about your collaborations with non-Armenian artists and bringing them into the Armenian family or the Armenian circle and um, I know that you had a pretty profound experience with antimatter um, mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about that because you are, you're bringing artists to Armenia. You're educating the artists to come there, uh, which is a very, very cool thing, actually. Well, um, when I was in my early 20s, I was in love with a British band called Anathema. They're pretty big right now, but back then they were playing in clubs for like two, 300 people. Um, I was in love with them, and uh, in uh, I think it was 1997, they released um, an album called Alter Alternative 4. And um, the, the songwriter of that album quit the band right after that album, and I was so much in love with that album. So um, once I was at HMV, which is like Amigo of um, UK, um, and I noticed there was an album called Antimatter, which, you know, you say antimatter, Americans say antimatter. And um, on it, there was this little sticker which said, um, new project by uh, Duncan Patterson of Anathema. And, you know, automatically, I was like, I didn't even think a second. I was like, I'm taking this. And I remember it was pretty expensive back then, like all the CDs were like 10, 11 pounds. This one was like 14 pounds. It was released by an underground label. So I brought it home and I immediately fall in love with the, with the vocalist of, of, of the new band. Um, so um, basically I started following them, you know, buying their second, third, fourth album. And in 2011, when we were working on our third album, uh, the Beautified Project's third album, there was this song called Broken Smile, which I'd written for my first demo album in 2005. And I could really imagine Mick Moss singing on it. So when we were playing in London with Beautified Project, I thought I'm just going to, you know, take the chance and write. I mean, the worst thing can happen. He, he's not going to reply to me or he's, he's going to say no. Um, and I had really high doubts because he had never done any duets with anyone. Uh, to that point. So I wrote to him a very long message, very long, boring message. And he just replied, send me the song, I'll let you know. So I sent the demo and he replied, yeah, I like the song, I'm going to do it. So, um, wow. <laughs> I mean, you know, when you follow a band and you're a 
big fan to hear that from you know the singer it was such a big surprise so i went to armenia we started you know arranging the song again rearranging it because we wanted to be a better quality compared to the demo so we wrote we we recorded the song i sent it for him he sang on it and you know when I was showing it to people, they were like, man, people are going to love this song. You should do something with it. So I invited him to Armenia and I managed to make one of his songs a hit radio hit before he arrived. There. <laughs> and awesome. it was a very strange, very strange experience picking him up from the airport. And then, you know, we were laughing and joking and he's such an easygoing guy. So it was the first Armenian British uh, Armenian, you know, collaboration. Uh, which was released officially as a as a um, you know music video, um, uh, and I was so happy about that because before that we were always saying you know we were the first Armenian band who's released the English album in Armenia. That's right. And now you know we we you know we were the first band who did this kind of a collaboration, and after that, Mick became such a name in Armenia. I mean, he's come back like three four times. And people love him there. And he loves it there. He loves the food. He loves the beer. And, you know, hopefully uh, he'll come. And I actually directed his last music video because he likes my approach. He had a very dark script for his uh, music video. So, uh, you know, uh, it was such an amazing opportunity to direct his, his music video, which was then nominated uh, for Best Music Video in the Prog Rock Awards in, uh, in UK. Congratulations. Um, that That is awesome. I mean, uh, you know, anytime, you know, you could bring, you know, musicians and artists to Armenia and have that wonderful organic collaboration. It's, um, it's, it's, that's a beautiful thing. And I, I also wanted to kind of uh, talk to you about a couple of controversial things. I hope you don't mind um, broaching these subjects. But, sure. You know, um, you know, my, my, my podcast guests um, previous to you, have touched on Armenian-Turkish relations. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as you know, um, especially with the skirmishes going on with Azerbaijan and the saber rattling by Turkey right now, you know, for those people who haven't you know, been to Turkey or dealt with kind of their culture and their people, um, there's a side where people are people and they're, they're musicians and that's a common language. Sometime in 2016, you actually put together a project called Melody for Harmony that um, that was actually, again, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Because I think, I think that that really is, um, kind of represents in, in a lot of ways who you are. Yeah, sure. I mean, um, it's one of the, when I look back, it's one of the most interesting things I've done in my life generally. Um, I grew up um, in a small town in, in Iran called Tabriz. I mean, it's not very small. It has like, I don't know, two, three million people. Um, and uh, uh, most of the population uh, are Azeri Turks. So, you know, I, I went to school and, you know, I, had, I played football with my Azeri uh, neighbors. And that's exactly what Armenians have done in Azerbaijan and, you know, uh, uh, Armenians who lived in Western Armenia lived side by side by the Turks. And um, 
my approach is that all these problems that we have is all political based. It's not people to people, it's political based. And as we know, and as we've experienced ourselves in our own skins in Armenia, um, it's not always that politicians are representative of, of the people. And, um, and um, just because a leader in a country decides to say something against Armenia does not mean that the people of that country agree with him. Um, to prove my point, um, I'm just going to mention the killing of um, Herant Dink. Um, after he was shot dead, there were about a million Turks who came in the streets and protested uh, and wanted justice. And the reason I'm against burning Turkish flags um, is exactly that, that we should not burn the flag of the people who are on, are on, are, are on side, are, who are in our side. And uh, the same goes with a lot of Azeri people who helped Armenians during uh, Songhai killings, a lot of Turkish people who helped Armenians during genocide, just because a political party had decided to, you know, um, uh, do a ethnic cleansing against Armenians. And um, that is my approach. And through cultural projects, if that dialogue is executed through uh, um, a people to people conversation, maybe that will create a bridge for um, politicians to start, uh, you know, speaking in a friendly manner. And maybe that will create a roadmap towards peace because um, I don't want to have this, you know, hippie statements, you know, peace for everyone. Stuff. But we, as human beings, we really need to do something about this because we always say, oh, we are superior to animals, or, you know, human beings, intellectuals, intelligent, uh, you know, beings and stuff. But when you look a bit closer, I mean, I would put us lower in the chain because all we do is violence, hate and, you know, um, you know, killing and greed and all these things that animals don't have. These, these are characteristics of the human being. And we really need to fight these uh, instincts of violence and greed through, uh, you know, um, through our art, through the things that we are superior. Um, uh, because, you know, we are one of the things that sets us apart from animals is conscious art. And if we can use that to silence the the things like greed and violence in us, maybe it will open up the the way towards peace. Definitely. Uh, look, it's a fucked up world. <laughs> There's no question <laughs> about it. And um, speaking of fucked up, um, in 2018, um, you know, Armenia had a a revolution. Yeah. And, um, you know, I was there, we were both there during that time. You had a very active role, actually, um, in, in that revolution. My wife, who is black, she's a Haitian-American. She happened to be visiting me while I was teaching, and she was there also. And it was probably the most, um, it was probably the most incredible feeling um, that I've ever had, a, a, a being part of this complete sea change of 
how things used to be done to, to a brighter future. Um, how do you think Armenia has changed in your eyes since 2018? Um, because there's a before and then there's an after, and it was very clear. Um, the biggest change in Armenia is that people feel that their say is important and that is what that's the biggest change and that's the most important change till 2018 um, it was a a typical ex-Soviet situation where bunch of oligarchs were running the country exactly how they wanted and the population was used uh, for serving their own purposes so um, there has been so many you know different uh, tries of you know um, executing some kind of revolution but it has always failed because uh, we never had the leader uh, who could you know go the way without, you know, negotiating and stuff, just pushing, pushing forward till the end. And um, when we noticed that, you know, Nikol Pashinyan is the guy who has this roadmap of taking this and, you know, doing it and doing it till going, running till the finish line, basically, we thought as, you know, Armenians, we should do whatever we could, um, to help him, you know, execute this. Um, I mean, you know, we did the production of the the stage, which was actually um, completely illegal till um, uh, till eighth of May when he was uh, chosen as prime minister. Um, and uh, you know, uh, as a, as an Armenian citizen. You know, it, it's 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 a great feeling to know I had my little part in you know making things things happen, um, although it was a very very tiny part. Um, I think people youngsters feel free, people feel more modern, and people have hope. Something that was non-existent. The only hope any army any when I say any most Armenians had before this revolution was hope of getting out getting out of Armenia, going to Europe, going to America, they they didn't see any prospect in their, you know, lives and achievements in Armenia. And when the revolution happened, that part completely changed. And we can actually see a bright future and we can actually walk towards it now. Well said, Andre. Well said. Um... You know, I wanted to kind of end with uh, uh, a couple things. Um, number one, you had kind of brought up the um, memory of your grandfather, mm-hmm. but something that you may not have actually touched upon that I found extremely moving was that when he lived in Iran, he would kind of dial the radio and, and listen for signals from coming from Armenia, and there would be you know, these recordings um, and these transmissions that he would listen to. Um, and at the age of 97 years old, he said, I wanted to live, I want to live in Armenia. And he moved there. And he lived there until 103 years old. I bet he'd be really proud of you if he saw what you've been <laughs> doing with Armenia. And what 
what effect did his desire to move to Armenia at that age have on you? Because I thought that was an incredibly touching story. Yes, I mean, if, to put it short, he was the reason I ended up in Armenia because um, when Armenia was a Soviet country, we were, my, our aim was, you know, moving to Europe. And when Armenia opened its doors uh, after the independence, my grandfather, for my grandfather, it wasn't a matter of decision. It was a, it was something that he, he had waited all his life. So when Armenia became independent, he was like, okay, I'm going, you know, if you're coming with me, you're more than welcome. <laughs> if you're not, I'm going anyway. So my father took him to Armenia. And the reason I started visiting Armenia very often was because I had a place to stay and my, my grandfather was there. And every time I went there, I felt that connection. And every time I was there, he would play the same tapes. And he even had a um, Soviet-made Sayatnova vinyl. He would play it for me and he would say, you know, you're in music. You should definitely do a Sayatnova cover. But back then, I wasn't interested. I was just like, I love this, but I'm doing English music. Um, and... Uh, Deep in my heart, when I did um, the cover of Yerkutununim, um, I Have Two Homes, that was like a tribute to my grandfather because that's actually a Sayat Nova melody uh, with Arthur Meshian lyrics on it. And I think um, if he's looking down from somewhere, he's, he's definitely smiling. <laughs> Andre Simonian, thank you so much for your time. Um, I wish you a lot of success, um, and I hope that one of these days you and I can meet in person. I know that we've kind of chatted a little bit, but um, thank you so much for all the work that you've done in Armenia and for other artists and musicians. Um, it's really a pleasure for me to speak with you. Rafi, um, it's a pleasure for me too. And um, again, I want to thank you for what you're doing for Armenian artists, and I want to beg you to carry on doing this because you have no idea i mean you know but you have no idea how much this means for armenian artists um and thank you for this new podcast and i really hope to see you soon you got it andre take care man we'll uh i'll catch you at some point take care. thank you bye bye this concludes my conversation with andre simonian although i've never met andre in person I've always had a deep respect for what he's accomplished in the arts in Armenia. There was a time when metal and alternative rock was confined to those underground basement clubs. Andre has helped to lift those genres toward mainstream. He'd probably hate for me to say mainstream, but hopefully he'll forgive me and know where I'm coming from. At the end of the day, not only did his grandfather make it back to his homeland, so did he. Aside from music, Andre has proven without a doubt that you can keep a foot in both worlds. In essence, he's come full circle. I'd like to take a moment to recommend a few bands. Aside from the Beautified Project, keep an eye out for New Grey, a new project by the Schachverdian brothers Arlen and Armin. It's straightforward rock and roll, reminiscent of classic rock bands of the 1970s. Catch some of their songs on YouTube 
until their upcoming debut album is released. And when it is released, please go out and support them. Another band to check out is Nemra. They're racking up huge streaming numbers on both YouTube and Spotify. I particularly liked their version of Nade, a cover of a very popular Armenian song. Both bands are based in Armenia. To close out our program for today is the Beautified Project's cover of the iconic Armenian song, Giligya. It features Andre, Arlen, and Armin. Talk with you next time. Let's go.
all music featured on this podcast is done so with the express permission of the artist. This is a Pomegranate Music production.